0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
1: Hello, and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm your host, Kendra Maples, and I'd like to welcome you to the AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. Dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. I'd like to thank our 2021 innovation sponsor, the Arizona Commerce Authority. They are the state's leading economic development organization with streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. I'd also like to thank our 2021 tech advocate sponsor, JDH Insights. A leader in coaching and executive development. JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. And with that, I'd like to give a warm welcome to today's featured guests. We have Rich Ryer, Senior Director of Site Reliability and Cloud Engineering at PayPal. We have Doran Miller, Principal at Miller. Policy Consulting, and of course, our co-host, Steve Zilstra, president and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. So today's techcast, these distinguished experts will discuss the benefits of clean energy, the role of the Arizona Corporation Commission in adopting energy policies, how climate change is affecting us, and what's at stake. And of course, the renewable energy um, and how it can sustain with humankind. So With all of that being said, we have a lot of ground to cover, so (laughs) I want to get started to make sure we have time for everybody. So first off, thank you and welcome, you guys.
2: Thanks for having us. Excited to be here.
1: Excellent. Um, Rich, we're excited to have you and Steve and Doran here. Let's start real quick with a little bit about you guys before we really jump into the sustainability side of things. Let's hear a little bit about you guys and and your company and kind of how you got to where you are today. Doran, do you want to go first? Sure, happy to. So
2: um, I uh, have sort of found myself in the renewable energy, energy policy, water, natural resources space. Um, I don't want to say by accident, but it's not where I started my career. I um, did my sort of undergraduate Um, studies primarily in policy, politics, um, American government. Spent a couple of years on Capitol Hill doing, you know, policy issues, but not anything natural resource specific. Um, I work for Senator Kyle, actually, in his DC office. So, you know, people here in Arizona know and love Senator Kyle and went to law school, thought I was going to, you know, go into litigation. I did um, constitutional litigation for a couple of years and really found that litigation was not for me. And I missed policy. I think um, you know, when you're an attorney and you're in litigation, you spend all day, every day fighting, um, whereas with policy, you are building things and creating. And I felt that that was a like a more inspiring place for me to be. So when I moved back to Phoenix, I'm born and raised here, Phoenix native. Um, I moved back to Arizona from D.C. in 2014 and went to work at the Arizona Chamber of Commerce as a policy advisor and spent about three years there as a sort of policy generalist to begin, and then really started focusing more on water, um, energy, natural resource issues, and then went off on my own in 20, gosh, 2017, 2018, maybe, um, and have been really focusing on these natural resource issues specifically. I think Arizona is just a really amazing and unique place to be focusing on Things like water and renewable energy, we have a really long history of innovation and entrepreneurship and sort of um, looking at these uh, challenges that we face and thinking really out of the box about how to solve them um, from uh, a really market-driven and private sector-driven way, um, as opposed to really looking to government to always solve all of our problems and fix everything via mandates. And so it's a really fun space to work in. um, And I've just had the great pleasure of working with people like Steve
1: um, on these issues. So that's who I am. A little bit about me. That's fantastic. And I love that you've kind of made this transition (laughs) a little bit. Like you said, you've kind of found yourself. And I love that. Rich, how about you? Tell us a little bit about you and kind of how you got to where you are with PayPal.
0: Sure, thank you, uh, and, and thank you for having me today. My name is Rich Reier. Um, I, I lead our global data center services team, service delivery, design and architecture, operations and compliance, as well as our data center and cloud location strategy. I've been with PayPal now just over five years. Uh, came over uh, right after the split from eBay in 2015. Uh, I, I previously worked for eBay for almost 10 years prior to that. And, and that's really where Uh, I guess I started getting into uh, and and developed a passion for uh, offsetting uh, the energy that our data centers consume. There was multiple programs uh, through different construction phases um, that we started to look at how we were using energy and and again, as big consumers of energy, I think at the time we were 65% of of the total energy uh, consumed by eBay. Uh, across the company, so uh, we had a big job ahead of us to try and and offset that. I think our initial goals were uh, to look for ways to be carbon neutral, but I definitely wanted to look for a way for us to offset uh, our entire data center footprint with renewable energy, not just carbon neutral. Sustainability and driving efficiency has been a passion of mine for years. Um, From the very beginning. Uh, Throughout the years of construction, I always wanted to ensure we're doing the right things in the right way, not only from a risk and reliability perspective, but also from an efficiency perspective. I've always been competitive, and it was that competitive side of me that wanted to stand out above my peers and the industry by finding ways to push the boundaries of how we operate our data centers. I think back to 2015 when we split companies, as I mentioned, a large portion of the energy supplied to our data centers was from fossil fuels like coal. As massive consumers of energy, I knew early on that we wanted to find a way uh, to not only reduce our carbon footprint, but to embrace the idea of offsetting our our entire data center demand with with renewable energy. So um, just long story short, but uh, worked with utility providers, SRP, uh, as as a partner, uh, as well as uh, Arizona State University to uh, kind of push that envelope and drive them to build out net new renewables worked with them in 2017 to bring on a 50 megawatt solar power plant in Red Rock, Arizona, that now uh, offsets uh, about 80% of of our demand in Arizona.
2: Wow. You Can I just, I mean, because you said it's conversational and rich, everything you were just talking about really is, I think, a perfect example of what I, the sort of larger point I was getting at about how in Arizona we so often are seeing like innovation and a push toward adoption of new technologies and better, smarter ways of doing things coming from the private sector, right? Identifying opportunities uh, to do something new and different, and then you know, pushing our utilities or pushing for the things that you want to see. And so you know, I think that that's just a beautiful example of a way in which that's happening in the renewable energy space.
3: Thank you both for being here. Um, And I've had the pleasure of working with you both uh, over the course of the last uh, six months as well. I wanted to just, for any of our listeners who doesn't know about the Arizona Technology Council, we're a statewide technology trade association. We have almost 800 member companies uh, across the state. Uh, We have offices in both Phoenix and Tucson. And one of the areas that we focus a lot of our attention on is policy. Really being the, the voice and the face of the technology industry uh, with the uh, legislature, the governor's office, the congressional delegation, and organizations like the Arizona uh, Corporation Commission. And uh, the Tech Council really started to get involved in a significant way in um, clean energy about four years ago. One of the reasons for that is because there's this growing demand from our member companies uh, for for clean energy. Many of them have put a stake in the ground that uh, says either their entire operation or like PayPal, in the case of PayPal, that their data centers are going to be carbon neutral by some specific date. And that means that Arizona, the state, the utilities need to be prepared to provide that energy from uh, clean sources. As I indicated, I got to work with uh, Doran and and Rich in the last six months because we did a number of roundtables with industry leaders, such as Rich, to find out what ideas they might have that would help Arizona in its economic recovery from COVID uh, that would focus on clean energy. And Doran was representing uh, the Western Way, which is kind of a conservative organization, but focused on practical, pragmatic solutions to climate change, you know, getting us to, to zero carbon. So really excited to have these two on because they've been instrumental in in some of the work we've done. And we'll let Doran tell you about the report um, we've put together.
2: Yeah, sure. I'm happy to, Steve. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, yes, as Steve mentioned, one of my clients is an organization called the Western Way. They're a um, nonprofit, five hundred one c three, and we really um, focus on ad- issue advocacy around common sense, market driven solutions to our environmental challenges. And you know, a, a huge part of that solution is investment and greater deployment in the clean and renewable energy sectors. Um, and we were thrilled to partner with Arizona Technology Council to convene these um, roundtable stakeholder groups to really um, hear from business and industry and the the individuals and companies operating in this space and um, driving the R&D in the development of these solutions and implementing them. And we put together a fantastic report that we um, jointly released in December that really outlines categories of opportunity, sort of intended as a roadmap for policymakers. If you have policymakers at all levels, from the congressional delegation to the governor's office, to our state legislature, If we want to help um, better incorporate the clean and renewable energy sector into Arizona's post-COVID economic recovery and into the future to bring us to a place of overall carbon reduction, what do we do? And so we laid out a number of policy recommendations, everything from um, how to incentivize and get greater deployment of demand-side adoption of energy efficiency measures to, you know, opportunities to increase the sort of talent pipeline from our state's community colleges and state university systems into our clean and renewable energy and advanced manufacturing sectors. Um, I think a really great recommendation in there has to do with creating a state-level Energy office. Um, So you have an individual or group of individuals who are really taking a broad statewide view how we can bring together all of these different pieces that are happening. Um, We have so much R and D, so much amazing innovation that's going on, and on top of that, I think a lot of opportunities to bring in capital, whether it's private capital federal grants, federal, uh, you know, to the extent that we get additional COVID relief dollars that are dedicated to renewable energy, which I think we all believe is likely to happen at some point in the future, somebody sort of driving that train. And um, I think everybody that participated in that roundtable um, stakeholder group agreed that having um, some high-level individual or office overseeing um, the you know, this from a really broad network perspective would be hugely beneficial to the state.
3: And a couple of other recommendations uh, in the report were um, the the need to create more infrastructure uh, in Arizona. Um, As you probably have heard, we've got uh, a couple of companies now here in Arizona that are going to be manufacturing electric vehicles. Uh, All the major um, automotive companies are moving toward electric and abandoning internal combustion engines. And as a consequence, uh, we're gonna need substantive infrastructure to support that electric transportation opportunity that we have. And uh, we believe that that can be accomplished through a public-private partnership. This is not just a government thing, not just a corporate thing, it's about you know working collaboratively uh, to achieve the end goal of, um, again, reducing our carbon footprint, changing the momentum that climate change unfortunately has. And at the same time, growing our economy uh, with these innovations and these technologies and these solutions to our biggest problems.
2: I'm glad you also mentioned hydrogen. I just want to say quickly, um, Steve, I think you just mentioned hydrogen. That was another um, recommendation in our report is thinking strategically about how to plan for the integration of hydrogen into, you know, a hydrogen economy. And as we think about um, the future of clean and renewable energy technology and overall reducing our emissions and getting to a net zero, a place of net zero emissions, Um, you know, we can anticipate that the continued research and deployment of hydrogen is going to be a part of that. And so, you know, rather than waiting, 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 waiting until hydrogen is perfect, right, we should be planning now for what we see coming down the pipeline in the future.
1: And Doran, and you you were saying that the report that you guys put together was to help everyone when it comes to policy and whatnot. What is the what's the status of Arizona's kind of clean energy policy right now? Like, what is what where where are we at? What's that look like? Well, <laughs>
2: that's quite a question. So, um, the current standard that is on the books that was set by the Arizona Arizona Corporation Commission is from two thousand six. And um, so it's a a pretty old standard. (laughs) The Arizona Corporation Commission has been in a process for, I want to say three years now.
3: Three and a half.
2: Three and a half years to update those standards. Um, It has been a a long, uh, detailed, um, procedure-intensive process with many public hearings, lots of stakeholder input. I know the Technology Council has been a, a... Vocal stakeholder has contributed to that, as has the Western Way, as have many, many other organizations. Um, they uh, adopted a plan to go into formal rulemaking at the end of 2020, entering formal rulemaking at the beginning of this year. That is really a, you know, pro- product of bipartisan stakeholder work, um, and is reflective, frankly, of where we already are seeing our utilities and private sector going. So it includes a, um, you know, it's a, Carbon reduction 100% clean and renewable by 2050, which is a goal that our utilities are already have had already announced that they were voluntarily committing to. The plan before the Corporation Commission also is a, um, interestingly, it's an emissions based approach Mm -hmm. rather than a technology based approach. Um, That means that it's a you know, 100% carbon-free by 2050, but it doesn't mandate what technologies you need to get there or what percentage of cleaner renewable has to come from solar versus this versus that. It's an emissions reduction approach because the overall goal is emissions reduction. And I think that's a really important piece of this plan. We're <laughs> in a bit of a political uh, fight at the moment, that I would characterize as more of a turf war than anything else. Um, The legislature is um, sort of attempting to take away the authority of the Corporation Commission to regulate in this area. Um, There appears to be some disagreement. I will say I am not I am an attorney. I'm not an expert in this area of law, but I have read the Arizona Constitution and I have read the relevant uh, Arizona Supreme Court case. And it seems to me that the Arizona Constitution makes pretty clear that the Corporation Commission does have the authority to regulate in this area. Hmm. And so unfortunately, rather than us having a conversation about how um, these new standards from the Corporation Commission are gonna help Arizona um, attract new businesses, move us into the next sort of era of clean and renewable energy, help spur more innovation and in research and development and technology. Instead, we are having a big conversation about this fight between the legislature and the Corporation Commission. And I guess I shouldn't even characterize it as a fight because the Corporation Commission isn't fighting. Mm-hmm. Right. They have said we have the authority to do this, and these are our rules and so it's really a fight that the legislature is picking, and I think it's um, really an unfortunate distraction from a lot of the other exciting things that are going on that we really could be talking about. The, the efforts by our Arizona's private sector, um, technology companies, and others, and the efforts by the Corporation Commission to update, modernize our energy rules, to reflect what is already going on, um, should be the story. Mm-hmm. And. I want to turn um, to Rich next.
3: Um, You know, PayPal is a very um, important company here in Arizona. Um, uh, Their investors, their customers, especially their employees, uh, expect them to be good corporate citizens and uh, protect our environment. And, you know, that's one of the motivations um, that PayPal has for doing the things that they do. They also want to provide infrastructure for their employees who want to be uh, in electric vehicles and so on, which, as you know, we discussed earlier, we don't have enough infrastructure in the state to support the coming wave of electric vehicles. So, um, Rich, it would be great to hear from you about the philosophy of the company, the important things you've done, the stakes you put in the ground, and the why.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you, Stephen. Um, and I'm glad that you you brought this back up because I was I was thinking about that infrastructure and how we so we can't just tell you know our our staff that we're making a difference that we care about sustainability environmental uh, goals, uh, but not lead by example. And I and I think back to uh, one of the construction pieces on on one of our data centers. I, I made the the conscious choice to add uh, charging stations. And, and not just uh, um, to show the the staff that, hey, here's an opportunity for you to help reduce our carbon emissions and, and our uh, greenhouse gas goals, but it, it was a way for them to also give back. But I, I took it a step further and and uh, instead of, like most companies uh, charge their employees to use those charging stations, I made it 100% free. So I really wanted to dig deep and incentivize our staff to, to do the right thing. Um, and, and it went, went over really well. PayPal is a company, uh, you're absolutely right, global company, uh, more than 23,000 employees, over 300 million customers. I think last, uh, uh, last count, we were uh, north of 12 billion payment transactions per year. Uh, in Arizona alone, we, we have about 2,000 employees uh, spread out over about five facilities, two office locations, Chandler, Scottsdale, and three data center locations. Uh, From a sustainability uh, program and our goals, environmental responsibility is is critical. It's a critical part of upholding PayPal's values around the world. We're we're advancing our environmental sustainability program by mitigating our greenhouse gas emissions, managing our water consumption and resilience, and enhancing our waste management practices. PayPal has set a science-based target to reduce company-wide greenhouse gas emissions in line with the Paris Climate Agreement, We set a 100% renewable energy goal for our global data center operations. That's global, by the way, uh, by 2023. And I'm I'm happy to say we're we're, uh, well ahead of of schedule. We we will hit 90% of that goal uh, by the end of this year. I'll uh, add uh, climate justice and and equity, PayPal's mission to democratize democratize financial services. We believe uh, financial security is essential to helping financially underserved communities uh, adapt to climate change. Climate change disproportionately, excuse me, impacts poor and financially underserved communities. So it's it's uh, it is our mission. It's in our blood. Uh, it's in our in our uh, very foundation. And by the
3: way, Kendra, um, for the audience, um, it turns out that data centers. We're number two in the nation uh, for data centers. Only Virginia has more. But data centers store all of our information, right? This. Uh, video call that we have right now will be stored in the cloud which is in a data center somewhere Uh, data centers are so uh, prolific that um, they are the number one consumer of power uh, in arizona Um, more so than manufacturing manufacturing is number two so that's one of the reasons it's so critical that these uh, leading-edge technology companies have this philosophy to move toward a sustainable future because those data centers could have a very deleterious impact on our our environment Mm -hmm. should these companies not be doing the right thing, as Rich said.
1: Absolutely. We just had another data center on um, one of the shows the other day. So it's one of those things we're trying to get you guys and get you into the community so people understand the things that you're doing, too, to to be green and, and more sustainable. Rich, I want to go back to what you were saying about the charging stations that you've put these charging stations in. How do you see as far as the use of them? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because I want to know what are some of the barriers that we see, especially here locally in Arizona, when it comes to people adapting electric vehicles more frequently.
0: Uh, So, so great question. I I think um, adoption was really high when I will say initially, it wasn't, I think it took some time for people to obviously invest themselves into um, electric vehicle. Uh, But once once they did, and they understood that, uh, hey, this is an incentive, um, it's it's free for us to charge It made a lot of sense for people that had to travel long distances. So adoption's been really high, and and I think uh, the staff have really uh, enjoyed having that as a perk, if you will. Uh, we do the same thing, you know, in, in our San Jose headquarters. Um, over a hundred EV charging spaces uh, there. Uh, huge adoption. I think if you go uh, to the well, when when we were open pre-COVID, <laughs> uh, and the parking lots were full, uh, every one of those uh, charging stations were in use. And, and I'm trying to uh, work with uh, leadership uh, on the PayPal side uh, to help them understand uh, again to take that a step further and and uh, to make that uh, free. I think just to to further incentivize the staff to to do the right thing.
1: And as far as all of these steps that we're taking here in Arizona, and then kind of going back to what Doran was talking about with some various you know barriers with policy, and that it was you know back in two thousand six, it's a little outdated. With all of this. Um, where does Arizona kind of stand as a whole when it comes to clean energy? Are we, are we behind? Are we par? Are we? And this is, you know, either one of you, um, you know, where do we stand in all of this?
0: You know, I I, I can start, I guess. So, um, the relationship that we've had, the the strong relationship we've had with uh, the local utility, Arizona Public Service, and and working through Arizona Corporation Commission, uh, has has been awesome. Uh, I think. We prodded them the right way um, and, and built on the partnership that we already had uh, and then again pulled in Arizona State University uh, to to build out that net new, new renewable uh, asset in Red Rock, Arizona. Uh, historically, signing um, anything more than a three to five-year year deal is, is uh, just unheard of. Uh, this was a 20-year deal. So it, it took a lot. A lot of convincing on on uh, the eBay side and then also the PayPal side when they came over to PayPal to um, to make that happen, but it was the right thing to do, and we're uh, I think three or four years into that now and are seeing uh, you know the results of it, being able to offset like I said over 80% of our footprint through uh, what's delivered from Red Rock, and then we we use uh, the Green Choice program for flexibility uh, on, on additional credits as we flex up or flex down on our on-prem workloads?
3: Um, Kendra, I would say that um, in, in a multitude of areas, uh, we're a leader. Um, you know, we have some of the um, most significant installed solar uh, in the nation. We're one of the you know, sunniest places in the country and a really good place uh, to use solar. We're a leader because we have a nuclear power plant, which does not produce any carbon. Um, people are concerned about nuclear for other reasons, but uh, it does produce uh, a massive amount of non-carbon related energy. And I would say what the Corporation Commission has been doing that Doran described over the last three and a half years has been exerting leadership. And uh, you know, putting the stake in the ground in 2050 to be carbon neutral, is uh, incredible. I would say that the what the legislature is doing this session to try and take the legs out from under that is is a regressive step. We have concern about it because companies like PayPal um, they want uh, certainty with regard to the environment they're operating in, and when the state establishes rules or mandates that they know where uh, the state stands. And if that rug is pulled out from under them, then there's gonna be a lot of uncertainty about the future uh, here in Arizona. As a consequence, you know, companies have many, you know, 49 other states to locate in. And um, particularly technology companies uh, are so conscious about sustainability and wanna be on the leading edge. And uh, they wanna be in a place that uh, is also on the leading edge. So I think um, there's, in many ways, we're leading. There's some hurdles and barriers to overcome at the moment. Hopefully we do, um, but I'm sure Doran has other things to add about our, our leadership in this area.
2: Yeah, Steve, you actually really hit on the main points that I wanted to make um, in, a, in a great and succinct way, which is to say that we are a leader in many, many ways. And the effort to update the energy rules and the, you know, huge um, amounts of input that we've seen from, you know, everyone from consumers to business groups to um, other interested parties and stakeholders has been a real example of leadership in this area. I don't think, and frankly, I think as demonstrated by, you know, what Rich has talked about with PayPal and other companies we're seeing here, we don't need a government mandate in order to move the needle, right? Our utilities have made um, voluntary commitments. Southwest Gas is working on its own, you know, renewable natural gas and power to gas um, R&D to get them to uh, lower their, like voluntarily lower greenhouse gas emissions and private companies, you know, we're all doing it. What um, updated energy rules do for us is create that market certainty that Steve was talking about. Um, And I think both of those things are really important pieces of the puzzle to ensure that Arizona really remains a national leader. Um, We don't need the government to force us, uh, force businesses, force companies to do things. This is the direction people are already going. This is what um, businesses and industry and consumers are wanting to see and what utilities are realizing they need to be able to provide. Um, And then the government needs to come in and provide that market certainty um, by matching policy to, you know, these goals and long-term goals and the direction that we're already going.
3: And, Kendra, I would say that, um, you know, people might question if if, uh, the utilities are already moving in this direction, uh, you know, why do we need rulemaking by government uh, to provide these uh, so-called uh, mandates. Um it it's critical that uh the state exert leadership. It's uh it's important for market certainty that they're that the uh, industry knows uh what what the goals are and um you know if we pull back on on these um energy rules that, like I said, uh, zero carbon by, by 2050, it's gonna send exactly the wrong message from an economic development standpoint uh, to the marketplace. And again, as I said before, people have options and um, they wanna be in a place that's exerting that kind of leadership, particularly um, progressive thinking um, organizations, right? and And as I said earlier, Many of these companies are now being driven by what their employees want. Right? Employees have a, a, a big stake, and uh, and they're uh, expressing themselves within the corporate culture, and it shapes the corporate culture, as uh, as Rich uh, inferred earlier in his discussion. So, you know, I I think there are people in the in the legislature that uh, understand this, believe this, but. As Doran said earlier, this turns out to be sort of a turf war, Mm -hmm. and uh, the energy rules are caught in the middle of this turf war.
2: I actually just, Steve, you said something that made me want to make one additional point that I think is important because I've heard it come up a little bit in this um, debate over whether or not the Corporation Commission should even be doing updated energy rules, which I've heard a lot of comparisons to Proposition 127. And, you know, for anyone that might not remember, that was the Steyer initiative from a couple of years ago that was going to um, mandate certain energy benchmarks. And um, one of the important, I think, really critically important things to remember about what's going on at the Corporation Commission right now with energy rules is it's part of a rulemaking, which means it's flexible. It can change. Um, the Corporation Commission can pass rules that set 100% carbon-free by 2050 and then maybe 2035 rolls around and, you know, things have gone in a different direction. Maybe we can meet it sooner. Maybe we need extra years. Those rules can be changed. Um, whereas something passed by a citizen initiative because of, you know, the Voter Protection Act that we have here and our citizen initiative rules, it's set in stone and it can't be changed. And so, you um, you know, while some have described this energy rules package before the Corporation Commission as, you know, just a Prop 127 redux that voters rejected, the rules package under consideration right now is it's not comparable in in really any way. (laughs) And I guess I should also say the Western Way and other groups have done a lot of polling of Arizona voters, what they want to see from from Arizona's energy portfolio, what they want to see the government doing on energy, and I would say across party lines, across demographic lines, across um, urban versus rural, people in general want to see more um, investment in clean and renewable energy technology. They want to see it. They're largely overwhelmingly supportive Mm -hmm. of more clean and renewable energy um, options.
1: Yeah.
3: Another point around, Kendra, around um, this leadership issue is that, Currently, for instance, at APS, uh, there's some great leadership, and and that leadership is moving the and it's relatively new and moving the organization in the direction that we're we're talking about. And I would say that about the other utilities as well, but leadership in corporations can change, and uh, when it changes, so can the road the roadmap, the path they're taking, and. That's why um, some don't feel you can rely on on the utilities to do the right thing, uh, because it depends. And as you know, our biggest public utility is is a uh, it's a monopoly, but it's also a traded stock, right? So it's it's a little different than a than a traditional uh, utility. And we just want to make sure that that uh, our trend continues, regardless of who's at the helm of these private sector entities.
1: Mm -hmm. And one of the things that both of you mentioned was, you know, the voters, the consumers, the people. So yes, we have these big corporations that are obviously moving all of this forward, but we've got the little people, right? And, And Rich, you said that there was excitement and interest from your staff when they saw those charging stations. Are there things that, you know, we can help? Like, is there communication we can get out there to, the little people, to influence these corporations as well? I mean, a lot of this, right, Rich, with with PayPal, a lot of this is coming from internally. The people want these changes to happen and then the corporations start to to build and change. Is Is there anything else when it comes to, I mean, obviously, a lot of this momentum happens at that bigger corporate level, but Rich, like, what are you seeing from your employees and your staff internally? Are there things that they can do to kind of contribute to, to help with this movement?
0: Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it's, it's... Yeah. So, I mean, again, we set the example from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, again, doing the right thing from a, a company uh, perspective. I think the things that that uh, we've already done in, in Arizona and working with the utility providers uh, to deliver, you know, renewable energy and uh, what was a great step. And, and it was uh, showing our staff that we uh, mean what we say, say you know, say what we do, mean what we, mean what we say kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and we stood behind uh, our goals. So I think that in itself um, is is helping them to see that we are going in the right direction and that uh, we we encourage that. Um, I, I I don't know specifically what I would uh, say they can do uh, individually other than adoption of like EV electric vehicles and encouraging you know other other businesses uh, to incentivize their employees similar to what we did and take a stance on that uh, in line obviously with their uh, global impact uh, goals. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with Stephen that uh, infrastructure is lacking in Arizona. I think uh, Arizona as part of our uh, location strategy as a company uh, to continue um, bringing uh, additional staff here, uh, knowing the, um, the issues we have right now with uh, our freeways and uh, not having uh, the renewable um, or EV type infrastructure in place uh, again, as an incentive to, uh, when, when they're demanding things like that, they want to see that wherever they're going, uh, obviously tied to uh, being more efficient and, and reduction in cost of living and, and those kinds of things. But um, we still have a ways to go. I think, go ahead,
2: Dawn. I was just going to say from a, you know, sort of a, what can we individual little people do to <laughs> move the needle? You know, I think one of the things that we often forget about is just sort of that basic grassroots, you know, call your call your representative, you know, if this is an issue that you care about. um, And we all should because it's, um, it's not just the big picture, right? It's also air quality, you know, things that we all deal with every day. Um, You know, you call call your state representatives, your state senators, um, governor's office, write letters. And at the end of the day, the folks in the state legislature, they want to do what they believe is responsive to their constituencies. And so if they're not hearing from a ton of their constituents that this is an issue that people care about, they don't know that it's an issue people care about. So, you know, that's just sort of my little plug for grassroots advocacy.
1: Yes. <laughs> Call your elected official. It's it's absolutely true. If, if they're not hearing from anybody, then how are they supposed to know? <laughs> absolutely.
3: So one of the other things uh, that is an opportunity here for Arizona is... Uh, to become a leader in the electric vehicle industry, so another thing that the uh, Arizona Corporation Commission has done over the last few years is developed a electric vehicle implementation plan, which begins to address some of the infrastructure needs and so on that we're talking about. You know, in order to get where we want to go, you need a plan, and and its ACC has been been working on that and. Um, You know, again, if these uh, legislative efforts are successful, all that's going to be for naught as well. And we have two major companies now in Arizona that um, have built or are building factories to produce electric vehicles. One is in Casa Grande, Uh, it's called Lucid Motors. And uh, before this year is out, they'll be uh, producing uh electric vehicles that will compete with the likes of uh Tesla uh and then over in Coolidge actually corporate headquarters and R&D operations in Phoenix but their manufacturing plant that's being built as we speak is in Coolidge is uh Nikola and Nikola is going to build um class 8 over the road you know 18 wheel electric vehicles that are hydrogen powered so to the point that Doran was um making earlier um you know hydrogen is a uh, has no carbon in it and uh you know the uh the output of using hydrogen is water which is a good thing and uh, but these are electric vehicles hydrogen is the means by which uh these electric vehicles will be uh powered so we have the potential to be uh, a leading state in the nation in uh, this transformation uh that's going on in the transportation industry. and um, But if at the same time we don't build the infrastructure that's necessary to utilize electric vehicles, uh, you know, we're not gonna be showing the kind of leadership that's necessary uh, for us to take off. So we have the ability to attract more and more companies. We're, we're here um, in Arizona, that's close to Mexico. As you know, Mexico is a huge automotive industry. And uh, so the supply chains necessary to build these vehicles are just across the border. So uh, that's an opportunity uh, that's going to be critical to our future.
1: So, Steve, on that note, um, this kind of ties into another thing that I wanted to bring up today. So um, the new White House administration, they are, you know, they have this plan to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050. So you're already talking about, you know, here in Arizona, right? Locally, where we have these corporations that are building electric vehicles using hydrogen. So that's that first step, right? And then what are the next steps? What does the rest of that transition look like away from fossil fuels and, you know, methane gas and um, and whatnot and utilizing hydrogen a little more? What else is part of that transition?
3: Well, to a point... um rich talked about you have to have uh consumer adoption right uh that's the demand side of it people um have to want these vehicles they have to buy these vehicles and then in order for uh the industry to be successful you have to have the infrastructure in place to support them so hydrogen fueling stations uh electric vehicle recharging stations uh you need uh innovation so that uh, these vehicles can be charged very fast uh, and a lot of that technology is being developed uh, as we speak so uh, and that again is really a private public partnership uh, to put that infrastructure in place you've already heard that the richest company has put charging stations in their campus and a hundred of them in their campus in, in uh, Silicon Valley so um The uh, private sector plays a role, but it won't happen without federal and state governmental support and investment in the necessary infrastructure. It's just like um, roads and bridges and dams and so on. You know, it's the necessary infrastructure for that particular um, type of um, mobility uh, to be successful. Dorn, you may have
2: you may want to add to that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I think that last point that you hit on is really critical. It's um you know we need the infrastructure, but you know in order to have that infrastructure is obviously huge infrastructure projects are incredibly expensive, and we can't expect um, the private sector to <laughs> carry the costs of a statewide infrastructure project on their own. Um, and it is, so it it really truly is a you know private state federal partnership dollars are going to come in. We're going to need to get those dollars in, and then we're going to need to be able to turn around and use them in a very strategic and coordinated way um, to make sure that that infrastructure is appropriately planned and deployed in ways that make sense, and that can um, enable us to, you know, implement and deploy the technology in ways that make sense. Um, You know, I think we already have a... a great example in Arizona, actually, of a huge scale infrastructure project that um, relied very heavily on federal dollars, which is the Central Arizona Project, right? Look at at the Central Arizona Project. If uh, the private sector in Phoenix and Tucson had had to get together and build a canal to get water from the Colorado River to our urban population centers, it would not have happened um, without uh, really having the, the federal government and federal investment as part of that. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that necessarily our statewide EV infrastructure otherwise is going to exactly mimic that, but I think that that is a, a good example of, of something that we have already done here in this state and why investment from the federal government into that that kind of infrastructure project is so critical.
3: And, you know, because of some of the things we've discussed, ADOT is a critical uh, partner in all of this, right? So there are multiple uh, state agencies that, um, you know, we talked about the ACC, we talked about the legislature, ADOT, um, there's a Commerce Authority has, you know, been uh, working on uh, on mobility, particularly autonomous vehicle mobility issues. So, there's a a number of state agencies that have um, a place at the table uh, because their involvement is critical in the success of developing this this new infrastructure.
2: And it's frankly, it's another reason uh, that speaks to the importance of having an energy office, right? Because then you have a person that is coordinating all of these efforts at the different agencies that is aware of where the sources of federal investment might come from, that is also integrating and communication, communicating with the private sector efforts. And so you have somebody that is thinking strategically and bringing all of these pieces together, connecting all of these dots to enable us to really, you know, be effective and successful as we do this. We need a project manager. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we have them on this show too. Yeah, okay. on this station. <laughs> Rich, is there anything else that you wanted to add to kind of this? We're kind of getting to the wrap-up of the show. We're almost to that time. It's amazing how fast this goes. Um, but did you have anything else to add to kind of this conversation about transition?
0: Well, it's, uh, thank you. I, I, I keep going back to uh, Stephen's comments on on infrastructure. Uh, I, have, I have firsthand experience with lack of infrastructure. I, I walk the walk, talk the talk, so I, I um, have an EV uh, drive any EV have been for the last three, four years. I remember back to a situation I was, um, I I had so much charge left on my vehicle. I went to the Southern part of the Valley for an appointment. And when I got back in the car and I was headed back home, it said, you don't have enough power to get you back home. So I was looking then scrambling to try to find the nearest, uh, charging station. And I knew that there was one uh, right off the 10 and Ray Road. So I, I went uh, to that and had enough power to get there. Time I got there, uh, both the charging stations had had uh, vehicles already connected to them. And that's kind of a shopping center. So people are just out and about. You don't know when they're gonna come back. And I'm down to like 2%. And I get on and I'm, I'm looking for the next charging station. And I went through this like several charging stations. They weren't there. Uh, and, I, and I finally had to pull over and I end up getting towed to the dealership because I ran out of power. So it is absolutely a, a problem. Um, I think for for clear uh, adoption, strong adoption of EV, the infrastructure absolutely needs to be there. We need to continue to invest there. Uh, I would also add that for at least from a, a company perspective and, and a data center ownership perspective, it's not just how do we offset uh, the energy that we use but it's how do we use the energy more efficiently how do we innovate internally and look for ways to reduce our consumption of, of that same energy and we've adopted some of those things uh, in in Arizona deploying modular data centers uh, use evaporative uh, cooling technology uh, super efficient uh, so it, it reduces again our demand on the system
3: by the way um, one of the um, barriers to uh, public acceptance of EVs is charging anxiety, believe it or not, because people, you know, it's like, you know how you feel, think you're going to run out of gas, you know, imagine having to feel that way all the time because you have to find the next charging station. That's the real barrier. So getting that infrastructure in place is going to be necessary to get, you know, more adoption uh, from the public.
1: Yeah. And then, Rich, when you were telling that story, I'm thinking in my head, it's not like you can... And maybe you can tell me the answer to this, but can you pull it up on your phone where charging stations are? It's not necessarily the same as... like Steve, what you're saying, there's gas stations all over the place. So it's not as much of that anxiety feeling. But Rich, you said you were looking for locations.
0: Yeah. And you can do that. Uh, Definitely on your phone. Um, That's you know Tesla has the app that will pull up and, and you can uh, look for non-Tesla stations. Uh, but again, the uh, when you get there, there's mm-hmm. there's uh, low confidence that they will actually be up and running and allow you to charge.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, which which I ran into. But even uh, getting online with Tesla and them directing me to one of their. Uh, premier uh charging stations it was a house it was this large house that was fenced and like there's no charging station here mm-hmm. so a little frustrating um but but definitely we need uh, it just shows that we need to invest more in that infrastructure i think yeah. also from a hydrogen perspective i would love to see more hydrogen adoption uh, i think back to um, some of the um european car manufacturers uh years ago uh, had put out like a hundred vehicles uh, hydrogen vehicles but the infrastructure. And, and, you know, we have people that love that uh, technology. And I think it's super cool. Um, but if you don't have the infrastructure, people are not going to adopt it.
1: Absolutely. It's got to be, a you know, a, a group, a country. It's got to be everybody, you know, working together. Think about when the first, first fax machine was made, right? Who did he fax to? So <laughs> you got to all work together. So I absolutely enjoyed the conversation today. We are almost at that top point. I want to give Steve the chance to give any last words, and then I'm going to let each of you give your last wrap-up as well.
3: Well, I just want to express my appreciation to Doran and Rich for being here today. Uh, They are two uh, experts in the field. There's no doubt about it. This uh, whole issue of uh, clean energy and electric vehicles is uh, critical policy work for the Arizona Technology Council. We're representing our members. Uh, they are demanding uh, more clean energy. Um, both the private sector and the government, state and federal have to step up and uh, make this happen. We have an opportunity to be a leader here in Arizona. If we, if we don't step out, someone else will. And uh, I want us to be the leader.
2: I will just say also, you know, to echo that, thank you so much to Steve for inviting me to join you. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I I love Arizona. As I said at the beginning, I was born and raised here, Arizona native. And to see how um, the Phoenix area and Arizona as a state has grown and changed over the last, you know, four decades is really tremendous. And, you know, we are here at a point where there is just so much opportunity ahead of us to continue to innovate and be entrepreneurial and, you know, do amazing things and show our leadership, um, you know, nationally, globally. And it's a really, really fun, cool, interesting, and, you know, inspirational space to be working in. And I'm just so happy to be here and, you know, be surrounded by amazing people also working in this
1: space to forge ahead. Awesome. And Rich, any last thoughts from you?
0: Uh, you know, I just would echo what Stephen and, and Doran said. Thank you, Stephen, uh, for, for getting me involved uh, in this and, and allowing me to be a part. I'll just say that you know, PayPal's mission and values are connected to this work. We can uh, see those communities that we're trying to serve and promote financial wellness uh, are the same individuals that are most impacted by the effect of climate change. We have a long-term opportunity to drive progress not only for our direct company, but also for the millions that could benefit from a strong, clean energy economy.
1: Mm-hmm. And as we wrap up today, Rich, if anybody is interested in reaching out to you and, and PayPal, what's the best way that they can connect with you?
0: I'm on LinkedIn, so uh, happy to field anything, any questions that, that we may
1: missed. Perfect. And Doran, what about you? Yeah, likewise, I'm on LinkedIn. Um,
2: I'm on Twitter. My direct message feature on Twitter is open. so you can get me that way. Um, and I think my email is also out there and I think maybe was part of, um, the stuff for this. I won't spell it out because it's long, but (laughs) I'm easy to find. There are not a lot of Doran Millers in Phoenix. (laughs) Perfect. Well,
1: awesome. Well, thank you to the both of you. You've been listening to AZ TechCast brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio X. Today's AZ TechCast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. And many thanks to JDH Insights, the 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being on the podcast as a participant or sponsor for the council's AZ Techcast, contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to have a further conversation and position you and position you as an expert, influencer, and innovator in this tech community. Until next time, I'm Kendra Maples for Business Radio X. And we had our co-host today, Steve Zilstra. Thank you for listening and joining us today.